Stella made a beat, so it's go time. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. The Core 4 is a podcast on SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, which can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever you get your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation's network. Find them on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies or on the web at grizzlybearblues.com. I am your host, Parker Fleming. And Nathan Chester is not with me as he is doing the Lord's work in Uganda. But we got a special guest. We got Keith Parrish. And you may know him as Fast Break Breakfast. Keith, how's it going? Good, Parker. How are you? Not too bad, man. Just trying to get through August, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's the deep off season. I'm loving it. I'm watching TV, Netflix, HBO, everything. I am currently not missing the NBA. Oh, I totally feel that. And luckily, the Memphis Grizzlies have kept us pretty entertained this month. And you were the first to break it with the Vancouver Jersey, the Vancouver Grizzlies coming it back. Ha- it, it has been a big offseason. I feel like as Grizzlies fans, we are accustomed to the good moments of our calendar being actually during the regular season. It's normally other teams win free agency or the off season or the draft. You know, I feel like during that whole core four run, it was always very boring off seasons. But this off season with the draft, the I guess there's some free agency. There's been trades, and then them bringing back the it's like the throwback jerseys, which is it just seemed like the uh, this summer has been the Grizzlies have been in the news. I feel like more than any other summer since they've come to Memphis, it's just been nonstop. It feels like at least to me, it's, it's been nonstop Grizzlies news that even national media are are paying attention to. And you can throw the jerseys in with that. Everyone just, it seems like universally excited about the throwback jerseys coming back for the Grizzlies. Oh, absolutely. And of course I got to give you your props because you broke that news a week before it came out. Thanks, so, man. Yeah, we were, we were, that. yeah, it was a couple of weeks before. I didn't know about them bringing back the black, like the original Memphis jerseys. Mm-hmm. That, that was a surprise to me. So that was fun. Like I, I leaked a little bit of news and then it turns out there was even more news. So it, it was exciting when it became official. And then when I saw that those black jerseys were coming back, I was like, oh my gosh, those are, those look so good. And the court, like that, that throwback court. I think is the best Grizzlies court we will ever have had uh, as Grizzlies fans. I don't, I don't like the new court. I don't like the current court at all. I know some people like it. I know it's supposed to demonstrate that Memphis goes against the grain, but I think it's horrible looking, but I'm so excited about the throwback court. I I hope they use it all the time. Maybe eventually transfer into making that the full-time court. I think it's absolutely stunning and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that earlier. That the court might be my favorite thing, like in that unveiling for the 25th anniversary and the 20th anniversary, because it's just that blend of both, and it just looks so good. I'm always a big fan of the alternate courts. It's we're always used to seeing teams wear different jerseys, but this whole thing of like unveiling like a different court, 
it's just so unique and so cool. I absolutely love it. I feel like nostalgia, like style nostalgia, is at the perfect. I don't know if it's a 20 year rotation where I don't think anyone was super excited about the black and white Memphis Grizzlies jerseys when, you know, like 2001 when the Grizzlies were first in Memphis, but it it definitely has come full circle. And I think the Grizzlies jerseys have been so kind of, I mean, they're mediocre. They're fine. Obviously as Grizzlies fans, like we like our jerseys, but they haven't had a spectacular Jersey in forever. They, there's no way they sell jerseys to fans of other teams. Like, Grizzlies have to be one of the lowest selling jerseys in the NBA. And so mm-hmm. now to have these throwbacks that everyone's going to be buying and seeing those black jerseys for me, it's just like, Oh yeah, these jerseys are great. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the perfect age for me. I'm old enough or that's like a perfect nostalgia piece of like late nineties, early two thousands. I'm, I'm now wistful for those styles. And so very excited about probably maybe, maybe purchasing my first ever like off retail price, not from a dollar store. My first ever retail uh, Grizzlies jersey. Um, I'm I'm going to be thinking about it for sure. Oh, all right, all right. Which player are you thinking about getting? Oh man, um, I'm not going to get. I don't really buy. I wouldn't get one of the mainstream guys. Like I wouldn't get a Jaron Jackson Jr. or a John Morant because it seems to that's what that's what everyone gets. I like to go mm. a, little, a little a little off off center. I might be so much of a self realized and aware hipster. I would get a player who I knew would be gone immediately. Like I might get a Jay Crowder, just to have okay. a, a, a Jay Crowder throwback. I might, I might get Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson might be my favorite Grizzly. So maybe a, maybe a Kyle Anderson. He also possibly is not long for the Grizzlies roster. I mean, there's no guarantee he'll be on the team, you know, next year or two years from now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'll probably go Kyle Anderson. Uh, maybe a Conchar. I don't know. So, something weird. Ooh, I like that. Because you you were the guy that started the thread with the jerseys at Summer League, right? Like, kind of just like that random jerseys at Summer League. That was you. That no, started that, I don't. Right? I do. I do a little bit of that. There's a lot of guys who do that more. Uh, Cosmos Brian. Uh, his Twitter handle is Cosmos. I know he does a lot of that. Uh, Sean Hyken. I know wrote a great piece for Bleacher Report about all the throwback jerseys. I, I probably tweeted some throwback jerseys because there are always a ton at Summer League. But no, I, I can't claim credit for organizing a big thread of those. Yeah. All right. All right. And another thing I wanted to talk to you about, because we had this interaction on Twitter a few weeks ago about it, and that's the starting shooting guard position mm-hmm. because everything else is set. You have jaw point, Jaron at the four, JV at the five and the three. I mean, there's going to be a battle, but it's going to be either Jay Crowder or Kyle Anderson. But at the two, there are so many options and it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea who's going to start at the three. Uh, it makes sense. I feel like the majority of Grizzlies riders have decided it makes more sense for Jay Crowder just for the shooting. I mean, we don't know if John Morant is going to have any form of spacing to his game, and if you have Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Mar- and Jonas Valanciunas as like a big front court, it doesn't seem like Kyle Anderson fits very well in that. Uh, so I think you know Jay Crowder's a three, and then it seems like every pencil everyone's penciled in Dylan Brooks at the two, and it seems bad that he's the Grizzlies' probably best three point shooter, but he, he it looks like he is. So maybe he'll start at the two, but 
yeah, I mean, most people are thinking it's going to be Dylan Brooks at the two and Jay Crowder and Kyle Anderson at the three. I can't, I can't say I'm excited about that lineup though. Yeah, and one thing with Dylan Brooks in the starting lineup is, granted, I don't think he's some sort of like Lou Will or Tyreek Evans or anything like that, but I feel like he's just better off the bench. And I'm like a huge Dylan Brooks apologist, and I think he's just best fit off the bench because who's going to score in a second unit of Tyus Jones, D'Anthony Melton, Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and whoever else. <laughs> well, who's going to score on the starting unit? I mean, I that, that, that's going to be the story of, of this entire season is who is going to score points. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is going to get all the shots he wants. I'm almost worried that the, the offensive burden is going to be too much on John Morant to shoot. I mean, we, we're all excited about Jaron Jackson Jr., but I don't know how much of an offensive load he can handle. I mean, he didn't seem to, he only had like a, he had a couple of big games, you know, they had that Brooklyn game where he had 36, I think, but he, he wasn't that involved as far as being a focal point of the offense. And I don't know if you can blame the roster or blame JB Bickerstaff for that last year. Maybe he can handle a heavier offensive load, but there are so many question marks about, about him. We know he's a, a defensive savant, but can he become like a 17-point-per-game scorer this season? Like, I think Grizzlies fans are penciling that in. That's a big question, and that's a big leap as far as his output to see if he can do that, and I, I'm not sure. So I think, yeah, offense is going to be the question the whole, the whole season. But I do like your idea. I'm not a Dylan Brooks fan, so if a Dylan Brooks apologist wants him on the bench, I can agree with that. Let's, let's bring him off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it's just something because as we kind of saw in that tanking season, he does decently well with the ball in his hands. And maybe against the second unit, you can get, you know, eight to 10 points out of him off the bench, which I mean, for a 25 to 28 win team, that's not bad, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be rough. It was rough when he played all 82 games his rookie year, uh, even though he shut some flashes and had a couple big scoring explosions. It was obviously all in garbage time. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be rough. It's going to be rough this season, you know, no matter where he plays. My, 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 I guess my hesitancy to put him at the two is maybe he needs the ball in his hands. I, I, I don't know how much of a off-ball threat he is. I, I don't think he's a very good defender. He doesn't feel, I don't think he can guard twos that well. I mean, he's short. He like has a weirdly small wingspan. Uh, D'Anthony mm-hmm. Melton has a, has, I think a four inch longer wingspan than he does, but uh, we don't know if that guy can, you know, he shot under 40% from the field last season as a rookie. Um, I, I would, I hope that, I guess my hope is that D'Anthony Melton gives every opportunity to be like uh, the shooting guard, but Starting John Morant and D'Anthony Melton seems like that could be a nightmare as well. I, I was saying on, on my podcast on Fast Break Breakfast, I almost wish they would start like just start huge or start very big. Just start your best players. Mm-hmm. And that would be like, I don't know if it's Jay Crowder at the two and Kyle Anderson at the three or both of those guys at your two and three. And according to the basketball reference position charts, both of those guys have have had seasons where they played like 20% of their minutes at the two, and it's not ideal. Obviously, this team is going to struggle to score. They're going to struggle to have spacing. But uh, I like the idea of having John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. surrounded with your three other best players. And I think it can work despite the spacing. 
uh, with Kyle Anderson and Jay Crowder and Jonas Valanciunas. Because even if like you have spacing with Dylan Brooks, I'm not sure he has that gravity where people are going to be stuck right on him. People will be helping off. I think the Grizzlies are going to be so pressed for spacing, it doesn't really matter. So I think just go ahead and put your best players out there. Hopefully that unit that I mentioned will be good at defense, will be good at rebounding, which the Grizzlies weren't very good at last year. And if, if they can get a bunch of demons with rebounds, if they can hold the opponents, you know, to not scoring a lot, that that will be a more effective way to develop Jaw and Jaren because they won't be getting run off the court as much. I don't know if it'll work. Maybe that's just a wild idea, but I feel like that's what I would roll with if I was if they asked me who you know who should start. Mm-hmm. And one thing you mentioned with Dylan Brooks that I think is very important and just in general and surrounding Jaren and Jaw is you mentioned gravity. Like if Jaren were to be in the post and or if Jaw were to be driving. Are people are defenders going to help, or are they going to stay with their guy and fear that their guy is going to knock down a three? And I think everybody's going to point to Marco Gergic as that potential option. But from a shooting numbers, I mean they're brilliant. But is he just a European Courtney Lee? I saw he took like maybe two or three attempts a game. Oh, European Courtney Lee sounds amazing. Sign me up. Yeah, but I'm talking about the Courtney Lee that didn't shoot threes. <laughs> I mean, Courtney Lee liked to have his shots open. There's no doubt. There's, there is no one on this team that is, is a willing shooter outside of maybe Bruno Caboclo. Like that guy, he'll catch and shoot. I, I mean, this team is going to be bad, and they are going to struggle. My, when I imagine like who's going to play or what the lineups is going to be, I'm just trying to figure out, does it make more sense to start Dylan Brooks because one of the goals of the season for the Grizzlies has to be, we need to know if Dylan Brooks is someone worth investing in further down the line, because he's going to be a restricted free agent and you need to know if he's going to be a a big part of that. So I don't know how you, you balance that. And then you also balance the same situation for a D'Anthony Melton. You also want to see if, you know, Grayson Allen can play, you have these guys under team control. You got to figure out who you want and you want to develop those guys while at the same time, prioritizing the development of the more, the most important pieces of your own core uh, of John Morant of Jaron Jackson jr. And Brandon Clark. So I guess what the coaching staff has to decide and what people smarter than me have to decide is what's the most effective way to develop Jaron and jaw, which should be your priorities while also figuring out what you have in Dylan and D'Anthony Melton and Bruno Caboclo and who are the, who are the other young players, even Tyus Jones, like who are the young players on the team? Part of me from sitting on my couch as a you know podcaster and just blog boy or whatever, I think maybe it's best to surround Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr., and John Morant with better veterans who maybe know what they're doing. That's why I was, I was a little so sad to see both CJ miles and Kyle Korver leave. It seems like I, I would have liked to have some veterans who can shoot on this squad just to help the team develop. Because I don't know if you can develop seven or eight guys in one season. Uh, you know, if you have to, if it's more important or, or more effective to prioritize, like these are four guys we have to develop. So I guess those are the questions for the coaching staff to figure out. Mm-hmm. And for me, I know you put out a list a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, about like who they should prioritize out of like a certain set of players. Mm-hmm. It's like Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, all that. And I didn't rank them as high at first, but now like in this conversation, I'm like thinking they really need to take a look at these guys. 
Mm-hmm. For one's D'Anthony Melton because, yeah. you know, the Ringer, very smart NBA minds, and they had a one of the guys there had a piece a week or two ago about guys who can make a Siakam-like leap next year, and one of them was D'Anthony Melton. And so if you have guy a guy getting that sort of praise, I'm all for it. You try it, and you basically run it until you know, like, all right, this is not going to work. And I'd also look at Grayson Allen. Because I think both of those players are quality role players contingent on if they can be 35% three-point shooters. Yeah. Yeah, great. So Grayson Allen is a guy I'm not super high on. I feel like his game, he's so small, and his game seems so predicated, at least based on Summer League, two years of seeing him at Summer League, it's so predicated on drawing kind of like questionable Summer League fouls. I don't know how that translates to, to the actual NBA. But I think one of the reasons that I prioritized as far as development, I mean, I think Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton are almost tied for like who like you need to focus on developing. But I think the archetype of D'Anthony Melton is more important than Dylan Brooks. I, mm-hmm. I feel like Dylan Brooks has a ceiling of, oh, this guy this guy could be like a 16 to 17 point per game score. Best case scenario, he's never going to be an elite defensive player. Uh, and maybe he becomes like an okay, like a 38. I mean, yeah, I know he shot close to 40% on catch and shoot threes. Uh, his rookie year, I can't remember mm-hmm. what his final number was. So maybe he can become a knockdown shooter. But, you know, and it seems like a, a secondary bench playmaker or, or spark plug. De'Anthony Melton fits more into a pace and space NBA because he has a handle. He, he's a dribbler. He's a creator. His question mark is the three-pointers. He hit he hit catch-and-shoot three-pointers at an okay rate his rookie season. He was abysmal on off-the-bounce, off, off uh, like pull-up three-pointers. But because he has elite defensive numbers, the ringer was pointing out in that article, I, like his steal rate and block rate were off the charts for, for a point guard or for a guard. So if he becomes like a Tony Allen light who can actually dribble and can be a combo guard because of that being, I think he's a six, eight wingspan because of that big wingspan. If he can be a combo guard who can play the one and the two off the bench and hit three pointers and play good defense, that's like the perfect, just like plug and play guy in any NBA system. And so because I guess, I don't know if it's fair, but because his measurables and those skills seem to translate maybe more to what the Grizzlies will need to play alongside Jaron and to play alongside John Morant, I I might prioritize Anthony Belton's development a little bit more. And there's a little bit of that like new car syndrome or like the, the, the Christmas present. I already feel like I kind of know what Dylan Brooks is. Anthony Melton is something new and maybe has a higher ceiling to me that like, Oh, he could maybe turn into something greater than Dylan Brooks is already. I really like that. And one person, like one player I would love for D'Anthony Melton to become, and granted this guy isn't even a finished product either is what if he could just become Derek white? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, Derek I think White, that's very realistic too. Yeah, or like a like a I mean, like a skinnier Marcus Smart. I mean, he, he's not known for being that physical, but he's a guy who is a playmaker. He distributes the ball. It, ideally, he's a three point shooter, and he's an elite defensive talent. So, if that package comes to fruition, if he fulfills eighty to ninety percent of that potential, you have a really good NBA player who can fit alongside any offense. And, and so, I think that makes him more valuable. I mean, to me, in the, to me, in the long run, uh, over over Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I know I I messaged you about this potential question, and I was going to include him in here. 
but it would be too easy. So we're going to do a start bench cut. Okay. All right. Grayson Allen, Josh Jackson, Bruno Caboclo. So what am I? Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. So Grayson Allen, Josh Jackson, Bruno Caboclo. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm starting. I'm starting Bruno. I I don't feel like I know enough about Josh Jackson personally. I feel like I would bench Josh Jackson and I would cut Grayson Allen. But it's it's worth noting that Josh Jackson hasn't been given a number yet by the Grizzlies. And and Grayson Allen has been given a number. Conchar has been given a number. Uh, Anthony Melton has been given a number. Um, I want to say uh, uh, Sky Miles Plumley has been given a number. Solomon Hill has been given a number. So it seems like maybe Josh Jackson isn't long for the Grizzlies. But maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe Josh Jackson is still trying to pick out what what number he wants to wear. Um, but if I have to cut one of Grayson Allen and Josh Jackson, I guess I'm going to keep. I don't know. It's tough because also Josh Jackson, his salary plays into it. Like he, he makes something like $9 million this year. I guess that doesn't really matter in the Grizzlies situation this season. They're almost, there's no way I assume they can, they'll pick up his fourth year option. I can't imagine the scenario where that would happen. So yeah, that's tough. I, I I'm not going to lose sleep, honestly, over cutting Grayson Allen or Josh Jackson. Uh, I'm also, I'm almost fine with cutting both of them having an extra roster spot and being willing to make deals in the season to take on some players who uh, maybe someone will attach an asset to, to send me a player they don't want. That is very true. And like you had pointed out with the Josh Jackson jersey ordeal, Andre Gudala, Dwight Howard, and Josh Jackson have not been given jersey numbers yet. Yeah, you got you, you to gotta see a, a common thread there. Yeah. I honestly, like, I wouldn't mind half the season of Dwight Howard. No, It'd be kind of fun. No, it's horrible. Keep him <laughs> as far away from Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, that, that that was my thought. When that trade happened, when that Kyle Korver trade happened to get Josh Jackson, to get D'Anthony Melton, and we got rid of Javon Carter, I loved that trade unrelated to Josh Jackson. Because my thought was, we have guys who were underage. Our two most important assets or commodities are guys who, who are 19 years old at that time. Jaw has since turned 20. I don't want Josh Jackson anywhere near them. I want to hire Tony Allen to full-time babysit Josh Jackson and make sure he never gets anywhere near uh, John Morant. Cause I mean, I'm just concerned about that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know Josh Jackson personally, but I I've read the news about some of the stuff he got in trouble for. And it just seems like maybe he isn't making the most responsible choices for his career. And I don't want him near uh, the, the precious, young, impressionable Ja and Jaron. It's so hard saying these names out loud. I don't know if you've done this much, but uh, the Ja, the Jaron, the J, and it's so many anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of J's this year. There's a <laughs> yeah. lot too many. Yeah. Yeah. And so along the lines with this, uh, you know, the guys that didn't get the jersey numbers, Dwight Howard, Andre Udala, Josh Jackson. And so you've been doing a really good job of keeping up with the roster updates, you know, saying like, oh, we have this many guys. This is all who's on the roster. What are your predictions as far as who's going to make the final cut? Oh, man. Let me see. I, I don't have it. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, we have to get rid of what? Two guys now? I mean, obviously, we're not counting. We're not counting, we're not counting Dwight Howard. Let me pull this up one second. 
Um, oh, great. When I searched this, the first thing that came up was me campaigning for Deontay Davis to have a spot. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a throwback. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got to think Ivan Rab's in trouble. When, when, when you're like, I, I try to do a playing time rotation of like which players I thought, you know, would, would be on the team or which players I thought would play. And I didn't have any time for Ivan Rab. So, I mean, I, I you know, Josh Jackson, you think is getting cut. I assume Bruno Caboclo is going to make the roster because I think with how bad the Grizzlies are going to be this year, it makes sense to keep him around just to see if you get him on a minimum contract, which you have him on, if you choose to keep him, it makes sense to keep him to see if he can develop it into be a, being a good player. I mean, like it, it isn't that tough of a decision because like Solomon Hill, you can just eat his contract. It isn't that big of a deal because they're under the luxury tax. They're, it's not going to be a, an issue Maybe they can buy him out. He gives a little bit of money back. So, I mean, I, I, I would almost cut... I might cut Solomon Hill over Ivan Rab, but I'm not going to lose sleep. So this is how... There's, there were other seasons, I feel like, where there was this roster crunch going into training camp, and I was very passionate about who I wanted to stay on the team, and I had very strong opinions about who should be on the team. There, there's five guys on this team. I don't, I don't care if they get cut. Because I think they're just they're fungible. Like the Grizzlies are, are are in this, they're on the bottom swing of the rotation build. Like they're, we think this is the perfect off season for a long term rebuild. So maybe they're on the upswing, but I'm not going to lose sleep over Grayson Allen, uh, Andre Iguodala, Miles Plumley, Solomon Hill, Josh Jackson, Ivan Rab. Like any of those guys, you can cut them. And I'm like, all right, cool. We'll find someone else just as good because th- those guys aren't irreplaceable by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if I had to get my predictions or at least my preferences anyways, uh-huh. I think it should be Solomon Hill, Dwight Howard. Yeah. And then I guess Ivan Rapsch is a casualty just because he's a non-guaranteed deal. And it's just he's just a weird fit in today's NBA. If he came in at the beginning of the yeah. decade when it was more of a low post oriented game and it was more of like a, a four and five of your bigs instead of like – oh, your four is more than likely really a wing and your five is more of a stretch, maybe just a rim runner. And Ivan Rab doesn't offer any of those and he doesn't he has a space of floor. He's not the best rim protector. I mean, yeah, there's no shot yeah, for him. There's no shot for him on this team between Jaron Jackson and Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Clark, even guys like Kyle Anderson and Jay Crowder are taking his minutes away at the four. Yeah. Right. And I almost, and honestly, it's like Miles Plumley playing the five. It might be a better idea. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Even if you value developing him and thinking maybe if he shows some flashes, you could flip him for a second round pick. I can't imagine that happening. So, I mean, if they keep him, that it'll. I, I, I'm prepared to argue. Uh, if they keep him, then it makes sense. And if they cut him, it makes sense. I, I don't feel like they should. They should be too worked up about it because I, I don't think he he isn't projecting to ever be like a, a top eight rotation in the NBA. I, I, I don't think so at this point of the Grizzlies life cycle, it's like, all right, you need the roster spot. Sorry, Ivan. Good luck elsewhere. Yeah, I agree with you. And so the core four is a podcast that tries to go around 25, 30 minutes. So we're about out of time here, but Keith, if you have anything you want to plug in, just plug right away. 
Oh, uh, just if you're a basketball fan, check out Fast Break Breakfast. That is my NBA podcast with my buddies Chuck and John. We go all summer long, all year round. Got a lot of good guests on there. It's a lot of fun. So if you like NBA, uh, check out Fast Break Breakfast. Yes, sir. And also check out his uh, T-shirt line on Public. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. tpublic.com slash user slash fast break breakfast. How can you forget that URL? Um, but we, we do have some funny. We have an old, a very old Grizzly shirt that I wish more people bought. It is the, uh, the Basketball Furies. It's from the year where it was. We had Matt Barnes, Mario Chalmers, Tony Allen, Chris Birdman Anderson, uh, Zebo, Marcus Saul. They're all on there as the Warriors. It's a cartoon. It's a really, really great shirt. I wish more Grizzlies fans bought it. But also a lot of people are buying our, We have these Boban shirts. A lot of people are buying those. So if you want a shirt, uh, tpublic, tepublic.com slash user slash fast break breakfast. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Keith. And as you heard, follow Keith and his buddies on Twitter at Fast Break Breakfast. Some of the best NBA content I've seen. Very unique. And the podcast is a very good change of pace from all the other podcasts you'll ever hear. And so, yeah, thanks, Parker. Oh, no problem, Keith. And so, you can find the Core Four on Twitter at the Core Four Podcast with the number four, not the word four. Follow Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies for all the Memphis Grizzlies content you can find and desire. And follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And with that, we'll see you later. 